You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of Willamette Christian Church in Westland, Oregon. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at willamette.cc or shoot us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Glad to be jumping into this new season, but we're doing this, um, we're doing this series under pressure because regardless of when seasons change, uh, the reality is in this life, we are, we are facing constant pressure that we can't, can't avoid, not by a new month or a new year, a new season. Uh, it's just the reality of life. And so we're doing different things in this fall season. I'll talk about labs in a little bit. Another thing that we're doing before I jump into the message uh, is we're gathering some men on October 1st for a men's breakfast, October 1st. 9 to 10.30, just 90 minutes together. Uh, we have men's community on Thursday mornings at 6 a.m., uh, and we love that, and we have a bunch of guys joining us. We have over 70 guys right now joining us every single Thursday morning. We know for some of you, you can't do that. I totally get it, but I would love for you to come just make this one Saturday, and here's why. It's not just hanging out, meeting some people, having breakfast. Uh, we're going to do, the title is going to be Men Under Pressure, and we're going to just take 90 minutes to to kind of drill at some things that, that we face as guys and support each other doing that. So you can register online. Uh, we would love to see you there for it. But here's what we know. Here's what we know. Whether or not you're a guy, whether or not young, old, it doesn't mean uh, that you get to avoid pressure. This is all of us. And I talked about this last week, if you were here, kind of two options when it comes to pressure. Number one, we can, we can crack under pressure, and I hope that is not true uh, for us because we have the second option, and this is my prayer for you, that we would be formed by pressure. That we'd be formed by pressure rather than crack, that, that God wants to do something in the midst of this unavoidable pressure, that we would see God work in our lives and form something beautiful in the midst of the pressure that we face. And we all face pressure. In fact, here's our pressure scale, okay? And you could think this is like low to high, and we're kind of we're demystifying this, this reality of pressure in our lives. Uh, if you are not a Christian, or maybe you're not into this God thing, or you're just checking out faith, you're trying to figure this out. I want to say this up front. It's not like low to high. Like if you are, if you are a Christian, uh, then it's low. And if you are not a Christian, it's high. Here's our scale. It's high or really high. It's just like we're all facing pressure. Whether you are a middle school student, a high school student, college student, whether you are uh, getting ready for retirement, we all face pressure at every single age and stage of our life. And, and here's the reality. Coming out of this COVID season, as much as we want to turn the page and move on, and my hand is raised for all of that, what we're realizing is that even as we come out of a season, what we're realizing is that we're still facing some of those pressures that were with us long ago. In fact, uh, just this week, I received an email from a great pastor in California. His name's Albert Tate. And uh, he just just went on a 12-week sabbatical, 12-week break where he got to rest and he did some writing and, and it's just like amazing. You know, I was like, where's the application for this? You know, like this sounds great. But he came back after 12 weeks and he's assessing his mental, emotional, kind of physical state, spiritual state. And in his email, he analyzes after 12 weeks, he comes back and he writes this, I'm still tired. And you know what? I think we can all relate with it. That as much as we try to move forward, the reality is in this world and, and based off of what some of us have gone through the last couple of years, there's, there's that extra pressure 
on us. And he's like, man, I, I don't want to admit this, but I'm still tired. In fact, here's his email. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but I'm just going to go over a few of these things. He says, this past week, I started a slow reentry back to work after my summer vacation. If I'm honest, I'm still pretty tired and still trying to find my spiritual legs. But there are a few things that I'm learning in this season as I return. Number one, I was way more exhausted from the last two years than I could have ever imagined. I'm still tired. Number two, you can be a great chef and starve to death. He, he realized out of this giving and just trying to help others, like he's given some people some good food, but he himself was starving. Number four, a vacation is no substitute for a life marked by Sabbath rest and boundaries. Most of us are like, I'm just waiting for the weekend. If only I could go on vacation. If vacation could be two weeks instead of one week, then I would be experiencing relief. And he's going, man, it's no substitute for a life that actually has boundaries and understanding what God has for us and rest. Number nine, as a pastor, he writes, I miss the people that left and it hurts. And number 10, he's kind of joking, not joking. Number 10, my therapists have great job security, right? And that's kind of that nervous laughter, like, ah, I'm not kidding, you know? I, I, I've, got, I've got some work to do. And the reality is this is a pastor, right? He, he, gets, he gets paid to read the Bible for a living, you know? It's like, if only I could just, you know, just spend more time reading the scriptures or uh, more time doing this, then, then I would be fine. But the reality is in this life, whether you are following Jesus or not, there is unavoidable pressure in this life. And the good news is, no matter who you are or what pressure you're, you're facing, we have a God that is drawn to us, isn't repelled by us. It, it, it wants to come near and, and reveal the goodness and the peace that he has for us in the midst. Rather than es escape us out, he's coming to show us. And so today... We're going to look at this idea of, of what to do when we're, when we're stressed and overwhelmed. And again, it doesn't matter if you're new to church or you grew up in church. It doesn't matter if you're newly married or you've been married 50 years. It doesn't matter if you're single and you're trying to figure out single life. All of it, this applies to all of us. What do we do when we find ourselves stressed and overwhelmed? And to do that, we're going to look at this, this ancient story from the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament by a man by the name of Elijah. He was a prophet of God, and he was on the top of the world one moment, bottom of the world the next moment. Here he is, the top of the world. He's a prophet. He's hearing directly from God. It's like he has the red phone. I'm not even sure where that's from, but I just picture a direct line to God, you know, like, man, if, if, if I could just, if God could just tell me what to do, I would be fine. Apparently not, because he had that direct line to God, and he still, he still found himself falling apart, cracking under pressure. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at his example of what not to do, and then we're going to look at how God came to his rescue and gave him a way out by following God's way rather than his way. And the story that we're going to look at today is in 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to go through a portion of scripture, one story, verse by verse, and we'll kind of break it down. So it begins in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. It says this, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah 
had done. Okay, so this sets it up for us. Who are these people? Ahab is the king of Israel. In this story, the Israelites are, are God's people. They're, they're supposed to be the good guys, but they've kind of gone their own way. Ahab is supposed to be the good king. He's a horrible king. And Ahab has led the people of God to worship other gods, pagan gods, specifically the god Baal. Baal. And, and this god was known as a fertility god. There would be child sacrifice. It was horrible, but it was what everyone else was doing. And the Israelites kind of compromised and did what they were doing. And this Israelite king who's supposed to be uh, leading the people to be different and separate in God's way rather than our way, uh, a shining light to the rest of the world, they're doing what everyone else is doing. And Jezebel is the queen. And so Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. What had Elijah done? Just previously in 1 Kings 18, this is the story, you may have heard of it, where the Baal prophets and worshipers went up against Elijah to see which God is God. And, and there was like a bet. Like, you guys try to call fire down from heaven. Do your thing, and then I'm going to do my thing. We'll see whose God is God. And so the Baal worshipers and prophets, they do all their incantations. They're cutting themselves. It's horrible. They're, they're doing all these horrible things. Nothing happens. And then Elijah's like, my turn. Hey, God, Show that you're God and fire falls from heaven and just licked. And they had poured water over the altar. It didn't matter. Just whoo. It was amazing. It was miraculous. It was incredible miracle stuff. I mean, bigger miracles than like the Seahawks beating the Broncos on Monday night. Like, like that was a big deal. I was there. My voice is recovering. But I mean, this was a massive miracle. But this is what, what Ahab told Jezebel. He's like, Elijah just did this and, and just proved. And now, now everyone's turning. It's just, ah, not, not good. Verse two, here's what happens. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. So these prophets of Baal had died and Jezebel's like, you're going to be just like them within 24 hours. And Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. It's stressful. <laughs> you could say he was overwhelmed. On one hand, this makes a whole lot of sense to be stressed, to be overwhelmed. If, if a government official puts a hit out on you, you know, it's probably not going to go well, right? Like, like you should probably run for your life. It, it makes sense. Unless you're Jason Bourne, you know, it's not going to work out, right? And Elijah's like, I don't have those skills. I, I, don't, I, I'm, I don't know how to survive. So he runs for his life. So on one hand, that makes a whole lot of sense, except... The, on the other hand, Elijah had just seen the miracle of God. In fact, he hadn't just seen a miracle. For two chapters, he had seen God show up time after time after time. In fact, here's a list of Elijah's miracles or, or the miracles that happened with Elijah. Six miracles in two chapters caused the rain uh, to cease fed by the ravens, uh, oil and meal was provided, a resurrection of the widow's son. He saw a dead person come back to life, calling a fire from heaven on the altar and then causing it to rain again. Elijah had seen God showed up and now Jezebel's like, you're dead. And instead of going, I don't think so. My God is in control. My God, I trust God. God's not, he's like, nope, I run, he ran for his life. 
And the reality is, is this, on one hand, I'm like, come on, bro, stand up, like have some faith. Except the more I looked at this scripture, I think you can relate with this, the more I realized that I'm just like Elijah. That just because I saw God move yesterday doesn't mean it's going to happen today, right? Just because you won last week doesn't mean that you're going to win this week. Just because you, you saw God move then, I mean, this is a new situation. You don't know if God is going to move now. In fact, I put it this way on the screen. The elation of yesterday can be quickly replaced by pressure, stress, and a fractured life. Come on, how many of you know that that's true? Like on one, yesterday you're celebrating, pumping your fist, today you're freaking out. And I know that we all have stories, big stories, little stories, just day-to-day stories. One of our big stories of just complete change uh, took place years ago. Some of you know this story about Jen and I. We had 10 years of infertility and unable to have children. And during that 10-year span, we had three miscarriages and each one was just like a blow We'd celebrate and be excited about pregnancy and then, then mourn. And some of you have, have gone through this as well. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But one time, the, the third time, we were celebrating our anniversary. We went to Cannon Beach. We're, we had found out that she was pregnant. So it's kind of a double celebration. And we're pumped and we're like, thank God, this is going to be great. And we're spending some time together. And it was on our anniversary that she be, began to have her third miscarriage. And here we go from celebration, trusting God, thank you, God, to what in the world? And everything went dark. It's kind of time where like you need someone else to pray for you because you just don't have the energy to pray for yourself. Is anybody with me? Where you've, you've, you've trusted God before, but now it's just what's in front of you. It's hard. And there is stress and you are overwhelmed. And Elijah is afraid and he runs for his life and he begins to crack. And fortunately for us, we get to learn from Elijah's mistakes because Elijah teaches us what not to do. In fact, I put it this way. This is a, a, a simply put, how to crack under pressure in four simple steps. A masterclass taught by the prophet Elijah, right? Like you can sign up online or in person, $39.95, the masterclass, how to crack under pressure in four simple steps, right? And we're about to see as this story unfolds, he does some things out of stress, out of being overwhelmed that we need to learn from. So if you, if you want to crack under pressure, do what Elijah did. If you want to crack under pressure, number one, uh, wear yourself out. We're about to see Elijah just absolutely wear himself out. He runs for his life and he wears himself out physically and emotionally and even spiritually. Look at what happens in verse three. After he runs for his life, it says this, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. So for two chapters, he's been having massive spiritual battles. Those miracles that I showed you, it wasn't like shazam, shazam, shazam. There were massive spiritual battles. But in those battles, there was this battle, trust God, pray. Battle, trust God, pray. Battle, trust God, pray. But this time he begins to crack. There's a battle, he runs for his life, and he prays that he might die. He has worn himself 
out to the bone. In fact, geographically, he literally couldn't have run any farther. In fact, here's a map. He goes all the way to Beersheba, which is the southern tip of the region. Like you can't really go past Beersheba. Then he leaves the servant and goes a day's journey into the wilderness. He goes all the way. He's running for his life. He wears himself out and he begins to crack. And some of us were like, why am I so stressed out? Because you're wearing yourself out. If you want to crack under pressure, wear yourself out. Number two, we find this, is that Elijah shut people out. The second thing as he begins to crack, let's go back to verse three, where it says, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he becomes isolated. He ditches everyone. Bad things are happening. I'm leaving everyone behind. I'm just going to roll solo. I'm going to shut people out. And you may think of this servant as almost like a slave scenario. That is not the context here. It's like his, his go-to guy, his wingman, the guy that is there for him whenever he's needed. And he says, you know what? I'm leaving you here. I'm just going to roll solo. And he isolates himself. The reality is when we ditch people, when we ditch community, we begin to crack. We might be there physically, like in person, like there might be a crowd around you, but your conversations become shallow. You're just talking about sports. You're just talking about, you know, the, the shallow things of life. But the things that are going on that you're stressed at, that you're overwhelmed by, you begin to isolate yourself from everybody else. Men especially especially, I don't know what it is. And uh, ladies, of course, this is for all of us, but man, do we shut down and isolate on the deep things that are stressing us out and overwhelmed. If you want to crack under pressure, shut people out. And number three, what Elijah does is he focuses on the negative. Look at what happens in verse four of first Kings. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep, focusing on the negative. This line is kind of funny. It's not funny, but it's kind of funny. He's like, I'm no better than my ancestors. Notice like nobody asked, bro. Like, like you're just like, oh, just everything's horrible. And no one's worse than, I'm worse than my, no one's comparing you to your ancestors. You're comparing yourself to your ancestors. You're focusing on the negative. But this is what's happened. This, this is what happens. When we begin to crack, self-pity takes over. Come on, somebody. And when self-pity takes over, exaggeration takes over. I'm not good at anything. Everything that I touch falls apart. My life will never get better than this. I'm always going to be this way. We just begin to focus on the negative and we begin to crack. No one even asked him, but he's still talking about it. He is focused on the negative. If you want to crack under pressure, focus on the negative. And number four, what we see him do is we see him forget God. If you want to crack under pressure, Forget about God. God has shown up in undeniable ways time and time again. But this time, he's just like, I should just roll over and die. I'm, I'm just done. This is different this time. I mean, I know you saved me last time, but this is different. The situation's different. What happens when we begin to crack, we begin to forget about God. We forget that God is near we forget that God is able. We forget that God cares because we are too focused on the negative things. 
This is the four simple steps to cracking under pressure. I'm so glad the message isn't over, you guys. Uh, because the good news is, is that God sees Elijah right where he's at. He sees him cracking under the stress and being overwhelmed by life. And he comes to his rescue. Friends, no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter how new to faith or old to faith you are, you need to know this, is that God is drawn to you. He, he longs to, to meet you right where you're at. He wasn't, we're, we're going to see that God was not repelled by Elijah. He was drawn to Elijah. He cared deeply and he cares for you. And yes, there is pressure in this world that is unavoidable. We're going to have it and we would like God to zap us out of there. But God wants to form us by pressure into something that is greater than we ever have been before. So we go from, from four simple steps of cracking under pressure to four instructions that God gives Elijah. I'm going to call this four prescriptions. Four prescriptions that God gives us for our pressure. And the first prescription that we see God give is this. God says to eat and rest. Kind of interesting that God, and we're about to see this in the text, that God says, hey, before any of this spiritual stuff, you need to get some food in your body. You need to rest well because Elijah has isolated himself. He's cracking under pressure. He's forgotten God. He's shut people out. And now God comes to his rescue. And this is what happens in verse five. It says this, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. The first thing that God does is he wakes Elijah up and he goes, hey, eat something. Your body needs nourishment. And it's interesting because God is a God of miracles. He could have like zapped him full or whatever, right? Like just zap some strength into him. But God knows how we're made. God made us individually, uniquely. He made our bodies. God cares about your body. If you want to understand how not to crack under pressure, the prescription God says is, hey, don't just think spiritually. You need to think body, soul and spirit. Your body matters. Sometimes the prescription from God is an actual prescription. Like you need to take care of your body. You need to go to the doctor. You need to actually see what your body needs. And I hear this all the time, especially because I'm a pastor. Oh man, I just need to pray more. I just need to pray hard. I just need to have more faith. I'm like, no bro, you need to go to the doctor. You need to care about your cholesterol. Like you, you, you're just trying to faith your way out of this and you're going to be under stress. You are going to be overwhelmed if you're not taking care of the body that God gave you. Now, it doesn't take much staring up at this stage to know we're not talking about perfection up here. Come on, somebody. Like, I still like pizza like the next guy. Let's go. Uh, but here's the deal. There is something about not ignoring how you are doing with rest how you are doing with food. Some of you, you're like, man, I just, is this thunder of God that's coming to me? No, that's your stomach. Eat something. Like, come on. There, there's something that you need to do for your body. You need to care. And again, I, I'm, I'm taking a little extra time today to talk about this because unfortunately, sometimes the church spiritualizes things when we need to be taking natural care of ourselves because God wants us to. We need to 
we need to understand this. It's a both and scenario. In fact, John Mark Comer wrote this great book. It's called My Name is Hope. He uh, was a, a local pastor here in Portland, lives in California now. Great guy, wrote this great book. And he talks about this both and of body and spirit. And look at what he says. He says, we simply cannot bifurcate our soul and body. We are integrated, holistic beings. How you treat your body influences your soul for better or for worse. He continues. That means we need to fight anxiety and depression in a holistic way on multiple fronts. In both spiritual, prayer, meditation, the scriptures, and physical. Exercise, sleep, vitamins, doctors, ways. This is this both and of God. We need to follow the scriptures. We need to take care of our lives, this, this idea of rest. In fact, look at how the story continues in verse seven. So he got up, ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now it's interesting because we have this juxtaposition here of, of physical food and now spiritual food. The angel tells Elijah, the journey is too great for you. The, the journey that God has for you and me, it is too great for us to ignore the physical health that God wants for us. But then he goes, hey, I want you to go out of your way, 40-day journey to Horeb, the mountain of God. Most scholars believe this is Mount Sinai. So here's a map. Here's where he went on the first map to Beersheba. Now, now, now that he's strengthened, there's a journey for him to go on. He goes on a 40-day journey all the way here. And God has something specific for him spiritually. Both physically and spiritually. And he says, I want you to go out of your way. I want you to take some time. And I need you to hear from me. And this is a theme that we see all throughout scripture and we're supposed to be living even today. This idea of a Sabbath rest, a diverting of our time and our attention to receive from God. And he goes in this scenario, this, was a, this, this must have been Elijah's sabbatical, okay? 40 days, it's a long one, but God wants to get his attention. And he goes and says, basically the angel says, go where God is. And friends, if you want to understand God's prescriptions for the pressure that you face in life when you're stressed out and you're overwhelmed, the invitation from God is to eat and rest. And part of that rest is going where God is. And you might say, well, Brian, isn't God everywhere? Can't I be with God in the forest and while I'm driving my kids to school and, and you know, while I'm mowing the lawn? Probably yes to one and three, not while you drive your kids to school. I'm not sure God shows up in that time. Uh, maybe for you. <laughs> uh, but, but like, isn't God everywhere? The answer is yes, God is everywhere. But listen, all throughout the scriptures and in the New Testament to the church, there is a specific, specific invitation to say, go out of your way intentionally with your week, with your life, with the way that you live, to go where God's people are, where God wants to speak to you, to give you a rest, to hear clearly from God. And, and as a pastor, I have a big concern, big concern, especially post-COVID. I hear this all the time. We, I hear, Pastor Brian, we love Willamette. We're so excited. We're glad you're the pastor. Blah, 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 blah. That's great. I mean, we don't really go very often. You know, it's just crazy. We don't go, but like, we're so pumped that you're there. We're so pumped for Willamette. And I'm like, cool, I get it. And we all have seasons. I was gone a lot this summer too. There's no shame in this game. It's just that there is an invitation 
to rearrange your schedule, to remove stress and being overwhelmed with life, to go, my lifestyle rhythm is one of going where God is so that we can hear God move, to not be casual, but to do something significant, to go, this is a big deal for us to make this habit, to to rearrange. Not about perfection, just like food, but this is the, the way, the direction that we're leaning into to say, God, we want to eat and rest both physically and spiritually. So eat and rest, number one. Here's the second prescription. God replaces our lies with his truth. God replaces our lies with his truth. He gets Elijah's attention, has him go to Mount Horeb. He's able to speak to him. And Elijah gets there, but he's still not thinking straight. His stomach's full, but his brain still isn't thinking right. And the story continues where he begins to ask Elijah some questions. Here's what happens in verse 9. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, quick pause real quick. Anytime God asks a question... He already knows the answer, right? God's not like, no, seriously, I have no idea why you're here. No, what he's doing right now is he's like, hey, Elijah, I know why you're here. I'm not sure you know why you're here yet. And I want you to verbalize why you're here. And what he's about to do is he knows that Elijah's been cracking under pressure. And and God is coming to rescue Elijah. He's healing the problem. But what he's about to do, he's going to force Elijah to verbalize the lies that have been stuck in his head. That verbalize the lies that he's been believing that has been bringing stress and pressure into his life. And so Elijah responds. Elijah hasn't picked up on this cue. And so he just lets God have it. Look at what happens. He says this. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put up your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Now, I don't know if he used that tone of voice, but I bet it was something close, right? He's cracking. He's like, oh, you want to know God? You want to know what's wrong with me? Where have you been? Look at what's going on with me. And God's like, cool, cool, cool. Uh, Let's make sure that everything you're saying is actually true because you're believing some lies and I would love to replace my truth with your lies because here's what we do. We bring a bunch of truths and then we mix in the lie to get away with it. And that's exactly what Elijah does. Watch this. He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. That's actually true. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. That's actually true. They've torn down your altars. That's also true. And put your prophets to death with the sword. That's true as well. I'm the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. Not so fast, Jack. Like slow down time, false time out. Slow down. He's like, I'm the only one left. I'm the one doing all the work. If it's going to be, it's up to me. There's no one else around. This is just all that I, and he's experiencing pressure due to the lies that he's speaking because he's not the only one left. He's just telling himself that he's the only one left. And even though it's not true, the pressure of his lies is cracking him apart. And so God replaces Elijah's lies with his truth. So God shows up, says, hey, Elijah, I get it, I get it. It is bad, like there's legit bad happening. But don't add lies to the pressure that is already there. 
And he says, Elijah, you're not rolling solo, bro. In fact, a few verses later, this is what he says. This is God speaking to Elijah. Yeah, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. He's like, Elijah, you are so blind right now. I'm the only one. There's 7,000 homies out there, 7,000 guys, and you're just like, I'm the only one. And he is creating stress and pressure due to the narrative that he's telling himself. And it's not even true. Friends, listen to me on this one. I wonder, I wonder what narrative you are telling yourself about your circumstances that's not even true because you are beginning to believe the lies that are in your head. And God wants you to slow down, wants to hear him so that he can replace your, your lies with his truth. This is a big deal all throughout scripture. Your thoughts matter. Our words matter. They're not just invisible. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones. No, no, no. They can, they can crush people. Depression, suicide, addiction, just drifting away all comes through the thoughts that we think in many ways, other ways as well, but this is a big part of it. In fact, the Apostle Paul would be talking to the church in the New Testament about the the power of thoughts and what we're supposed to do and surrender those thoughts to God. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he would say this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Another version on this word pretension, kind of a weird word here. It says, we demolish arguments in every high thing. In other words, he's saying, hey, there are thoughts in your brain. They're ruling your life, and you need to submit those thoughts to the truth of Christ. These things that are up here, they need to be brought down here, and God's truth needs to be put in your life. And this is what God is wanting to do, to submit to the goodness of God. That's why we have our our devotional that goes with this. I hope you've picked up your devotional. It looks like this. This is an incredible resource that goes with the series that we're doing. And if you don't have one, you can pick them up. They're free. They're in the lobby on your way out. But on day three, every week on day three of your devotional, this is our reminder of who God is. God is faithful and worthy of trust. We slow down. We intentionally receive from God and we're reminded of the truth. He will strengthen you. Nothing is impossible with God. He controls the wind and the storm. He is just. He is present. What is that doing? It's getting God's truth into us in the midst of the lies that we're telling ourselves. God is with you. He's not against you. He is for you. God says to eat and rest. God replaces our lives with his truth. And the third prescription is this. God speaks in a still, small voice. The story continues in verse 11, and it says this. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Look at what happens. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire came a still, small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
these big, this is very uh, intentional imagery from the writer of Judges. Wind came and tore the mountains apart. It's, it's painting this picture of, of just these drastic things and then this very small thing. These drastic things, but God wasn't in it. God's like, I have something better for you than the big thing. And so often, friends, we want the big thing from God. We want the miracle from God. If, if God would just get me in that right relationship, if God would just get me out of this wrong relationship, if God would just give me the job, it's kind of genie in the bottle. We want, we want the big stuff. My stress will go away if I just get the big thing. And God's like, I have something better for you than the big thing. What got Elijah out of the cave was not the big thing. What got him out of isolation were not the big things. What got Elijah out of where he was, was the still, small voice of God. God wants to speak to you in a way that is so personal. Whatever's going on around you cannot shake you because you know your Redeemer lives, because you've experienced the presence and the peace of God beyond all the things. God so desperately wants you to know him not just believe in him, but to say, God, I want to, I want to hear your still small voice. And if we're going to do that, friends, we've got to turn down the noise in our life. You choosing to come to church today was a choice to turn down the noise in your life. Hey, you opening up the devotional is choosing to turn down the noise, the intentional, so that you can hear the small voice of God, but not, not to check something off the list. Not to say we went to church and I did my devotion, but because you're longing to learn from God. Last week, we, we talked about Jesus saying, saying, come to me, all of you who are weary, learn from me. Not just believe in me, but learn from me. We're not called to be just believers in Jesus, but to learn from Jesus. And we turn down the noise. I love Psalm 131, verse 2. It says this, Surely I have stilled and quieted my soul. There's something, friends, that God wants you to know. Be still and know that I am God. If you're, if you're stressed out, if you're overwhelmed, to be still and know that he is God. To take a step towards, out of your cave and towards the things that God has for you. This is my hope for you. These first three hopefully make sense to you. This fourth prescription from God might actually shock you when it's about a prescription for the stress and the being overwhelmed in life. Look, look at what number four is. God gives us something to do. <laughs> you might be going, wait, 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 wait. Like I'm all about like the eating and the resting. I'm all about like getting rid of lies, getting truth. I'm all about hearing from God, but I do not need something else to do. Like it's the doing that is the stressing and I could actually have some less doing if God would just kind of hook me up. Don't give me something else. God, I, I'm not signing up for that volunteer list. I'm out. Like no way, no way. So how does this work? But listen, listen, listen. You need to know this about the plans of God. God's plans for you and I and God's plans for Elijah is never burnout. Never burnout but neither is it to be sidelined in your living. Neither is it for you to be like, you know what, this, this world's just too crazy. I gotta just take care of me and mine. I'm just gonna kind of huddle up in my cave. There is a time. Elijah went to the mountain, went to his cave. There was a, a season that God had to get him right. 
But once God got Elijah right, meaning got his trajectory, not his perfection, not, every, not the pressure free. There was, by the way, Ahab and Jezebel still wanted to kill him, right? Like, like it's not like Vamoose, everything was fine. He got his mind right. And in the midst of it, he goes, don't stay here. Don't stay detached. Don't stay doing your own thing. I've got something for you to do. Look at what happens in verse 15. He says, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meloah to succeed you as prophet. In other words, Elijah, you weren't meant for the sideline. I created you on purpose for a purpose, and I have a plan and purpose for this world that you are very much supposed to be a part of. Do not tap out. Do not take a time out and think, this is just the pressure of this world. God will give you a peace in the midst of unavoidable pressure. He has a mantle for you. He has an assignment for you. He's called you to make a difference in this world, to engage in this world that will not burn you out, but it will actually inspire and empower you to live the life that you were always called to. Friends, I'm, I, I believe this with all my heart. There is more fatigue Track with me here. There is more fatigue in wandering around without a purpose in a cave, more fatigue than there is in engaging and making a difference with the life that God had for you. He goes, cool, you got your mind right? Then get back to what you were called to do. And I love this about this text, that what he calls Elijah to do is all about leaning into the next generation. All of these dudes right here, they were, they were next man up. This was about anointing the next people up. And at Willamette, we love pouring ourselves into the next generation. We love giving up what we love, like our preferences, for what we love even more. Making sure the next generation knows, loves, and follows Jesus. Creating an environment and a building and, and a structure and a way we choose to do church that isn't just for, for, for the already saved, not just for the, the church people that just want to kind of huddle up and hang out. No, we want to be a part of something because there's a mission that God has called us on. And if we just go, you know what, it's too hard. We will have an entire generation miss out on the very goodness of God that he designed them to experience. I'm kind of fired up right now. This is, this is part of not being stressed out. This is part of not being overwhelmed. To go, no, no, I'm not going to kill myself. I'm not going to do something I've not been asked to do. But God, God, maybe for some of you, and I believe this, I believe this. For many people sitting in this room today, you've gone through a hard season. You're getting your mind right. And there's something yet for you to do. There's something that God is saying, hey, I want you involved again. I want you back in. And it could be different. It might not even be here. This isn't like, so sign up today. There's no sign-ups. There's just a prescription that God has for all of us to not allow the pressures of this world to detach us from the very thing that will bring wind to your sails as you get on the mission that God has invited you in. And I just wonder, maybe God's speaking to you about that. And when you do, you will experience a miracle. Because as you pour out, a miracle happens. Somehow, God pours in. This is never made more clearly in Proverbs chapter 11. It says this, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. 
As you pour out, God pours into you. And of course, there's a wrong way to do this. Of course, there's a way where you're just trying to to earn uh, credits. You're trying to please other people. You're just a yes person. You're saying yes too often. I'm not saying you should just go say yes. I'm saying you should ask God what he's called you to do and lean into it rather than run from it. So I'm going to ask the band to come up. And this is a question for all of us of what are we going to do? Are we going to look at these, these four prescriptions? And I just wonder, maybe one of these is, is speaking to you today. Maybe it's more than one, but, but just what's a step? This isn't about perfection. This isn't about Shazam. I heard a message. Now I'm not stressed out anymore. But perhaps God sees you and he knows where you're at and he's seen the season that you're in. And it is time to experience a God who wants to come to your rescue. And maybe you're here today and you'd say, Brian, if I'm honest, I'm in church, but I am far from God. Maybe, maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus. You're checking out church or you're considering faith. You're trying to understand who this Jesus is. I'm so glad that you are. And I would just encourage you to keep taking a step. Because Jesus did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Jesus took our place and he sacrificed himself for our sins so that we could have this life. We could experience the God of peace because we do things our own way. We try to self-help our way to a better life and it always leads us far from where God designed us to be. And so people come to this conclusion. I'm ready to do it God's way. I'm ready to trust Jesus. You don't have to have it all figured out, but you're taking a step of faith It's like an airplane. I don't know how those airplanes fly. I know. I read the book too. I went to science class. I still don't know how it all works. But when I step on the plane, I trust. I trust. And that's what we do. As we continue to learn, as we say yes to Jesus, we trust and we say, God, have your way. Because how many of you know this? We don't say yes to Jesus one time. We continually say yes to Jesus over and over again with every situation that we find ourselves in. Can I hear an amen? So let's be a people, new to faith, old to faith, new to Willamette. You've been here for years. Let's be people in this season where there's unavoidable pressure. Let's allow God to form us by the goodness that he has for us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the example to Elijah, God, that you loved Elijah, that you had a plan for Elijah, that you didn't just let him wither away in his doubts and pain and stress. God, I pray for every person in this room. There are people experiencing just such heaviness by the weight of the world that's on on their shoulders. God, would you be with them? Would you continue to reveal your goodness and your peace? God, for every single one of us, may we be still and know that you are God. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.